Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another episode of Spring Fever. I am your host, XFL Jim, here to talk about everything spring football, all things spring football, especially USFL. There's a lot going on in the world of football, spring football, NFL, college football. I don't give a shit about that. That belongs in the fall. We're talking spring, and we're going to start by breaking down the latest news in the USFL. They just announced new USFL rules. The rules for the league are here. They're happening, and this is what they are right now. We're going to just break it down rule by rule, starting off with the extra points. The way they're doing it is similar to how the XFL did it. They're going to have three different types of extra points. They're going to have your normal PAT. It's going to be snapped at the 15-yard line, basically gone back, kick, easy peasy, just regular PAT. I'm a little like, eh, on that. I kind of liked how the XFL didn't give you the option of a PAT. It was always just you had to do a play. You had to go for it. It was kind of exciting. It made for more interesting plays. Basically, a PAT should just be a gimme to any kicker who wants to be in these kinds of leagues. And I just, I kind of like the XFL's aspects. But it's fine. It's fine. Uh, They also got the two-point conversion, the regular two-point conversions that you see in almost every level of football. I wonder if we'll see a decent amount of them. or with this other one, the three-point play being from the 10-yard line, I wonder if we'll see that more than two-point play just because you'll sometimes see with a two-point conversion, the defenses can just stack the entire end zone and take away a lot of different options from the from the offense. I wonder if the three-point play might be easier and open up a couple passing plays in the playbook. I think you might see a lot of one-point PATs and uh, three-point extra plays. If That's just my personal opinion. I said the same thing. In the XFL, I said you'd see a lot more three-play PATs and anything like that. It's uh, it's fine. I like it. I like the move. I like that they're taking a little bit from the XFL. I like that. Uh, I like that mentality behind it. Don't want to be stupid and have my thing die on me. Up next, we got onside kicks going on here. Um. The way they're doing it, they're, they're kind of borrowing from another spring. They're borrowing from the AAF. You can either do a normal onside kick from your own 25, which I'm fine. Keep the regular onside kick stuff. Or you can run a fourth and 12 play from your own 33, which is something that the AAF did and something that um, the Golden Guido himself over in Rutgers thought would be a good idea. And I think it's fun. I think it's cool. Maybe uh, certain teams like the Gamblers, which who I'll get to later, uh, with those high-powered offenses, maybe teams like that would elect to uh, to be going for a fourth down instead of trying their hand at a just regular onside kick. It could be interesting. I think it makes for some fun, interesting football. So that's all we really want out of the USFL in the end. Up next, we got the overtime situation going on. The way they're doing overtime is sort of similar, I would say, to how college football has it now and kind of how the XFL was going to do it. They're going to do a a sort of shootout style where each team will get three chances on offense. And then um, after the three, after the six different times, the three for each team, uh, they're going to see who at the tally up, who has the most points. So basically you get a turn in offense. The other team gets a turn. Each, uh, each point scored in overtime is worth two points. The team with the most points at the end of the three, uh, three, Turns on offense, wins. If it's still tied, it goes into an immediate sudden death where I'm not exactly 100% sure if sudden death here means that the next score wins like it does in the NFL overtime where just first score wins no matter what. Or if it's like college where 
you get a turn and then the opposing team gets a turn and I have no idea. Or maybe they'll just go back to the old XFL rules and uh, all of a sudden you just got to fight. You just have a fight in the middle of the middle of the arena. That would be pretty cool. I think a fight would be a cool way to do it. Just actual fight, like good old go back to the rules, the base of football, gladiatorial combat. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Either way, this should make uh this should make the end of USFL games pretty damn exciting. Up next to maybe my favorite rule in these newer spring leagues are the double pass. We got the double pass going on right here. It's basically the exact same rule they had in the XFL. You throw the ball forward. If it's behind the line of scrimmage, you could throw it again. You saw it with the DC defenders technically where they did just a pitch. I don't count that. You really saw it with Landry Jones where he threw it, hit a guy's helmet, bounced back, double pass right there. I think this could be potentially really fun. You could get a quarterback system where hands it off to the running back, running back pitches it back, quarterback screens it to a receiver who then throws it to a run to that same running back who's running down the field at this point. I think you can have some really cool plays with a double forward pass. We didn't get to see it because we only got to week five. We didn't get to see like the super interesting plays with it, but imagine what a full season of USFL could do. Imagine someone like Larry Fedora or Kevin Sumlin coming up with some weird offenses that involve a double pep forward pass. I think that would be fucking cool. I think that would be something that's really, really entertaining. Up next, we go to the replays in the USFL. Each team is going to be allowed one instant replay challenge per game. I think they're really focusing, similar to how the XFL did, these spring leagues, uh, they want to focus on speed, and I think the USFL is trying to do that through limiting the amount of uh, reviews for penalties, limiting uh, teams allowing like for reviews and everything like that, and they're, just, they're consolidating all the replays and the Fox studio in Los Angeles. Every game will be reviewed. Uh, all the video replay review will be done there in in uh, in Los Angeles in the main hub. I, uh, I'm i okay with that. I kind of liked how the XFL had like an in-house at the game. Uh, ref who was solely just watching review footage, blah, 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 blah. I think this is all just going to be Mike Pereira. I think it's just going to flat out go to him. It's... That's fine. That's cool with me. They're they're responsible for all the the replays, and they're there to overrule any bad ref calls. Like if there's a bad face mask, or if there's any missed personal foul calls, like a horse collar, unnecessary roughness, anything like that. That's what these guys are there for to catch. And they're also uh, they're also it's these are the guys that are going to be determining uh, pass interference calls. So you're not going to get different kinds of pi calls like you see in the NFL, you'll it's all down to these guys. They are determining uh, the egregiousness of personal of a, a pass interference call. And I think having one group that is in charge of all that is the way to go. I think that's the best way to do it for these kinds of leagues. Speaking of which, we got pass interference here. The way pass interference is going to work in the USFL is under 15 yards, it's going to be a spot foul. They're kind of trying to mix the college and NFL rules. I think they did a pretty decent job. So, Anything under 15 yards, say you could run up seven yards and there's a pass interference call. Instead of getting a 15-yard penalty, an automatic first down, it's a spot foul. I still believe it's an automatic first down, but it's just a spot foul there. So you just move the ball up eight yards. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Anything after 15 yards will be just a 15-yard penalty unless it's a blatant like tackle by a defensive player, and then it becomes a spot foul. So this – this ties back to that uh, that replay booth 
in Los Angeles being extremely important because they're determining what is like an intentional tackle versus what's just a football play. What's just guys going hard in the backfield. I, it, it makes for potentially, potentially a lot of uh, a lot of gimme like weird calls that could swing games drastically based on oh it's instead of a 15 yard penalty it's a spot foul or anything like that. I think if I'm a ref, I'm just calling everything a 15 yard penalty and then letting this group this replay uh, czar, I'm going to call him, just kind of rule whether or not it's going to be a spot foul or 15 yard, just kind of letting them decide what it's going to be. And uh, basically the other part of pass interference is if the pass doesn't cross the line of scrimmage at all, there's no offensive pass interference or ineligible player downfield. So it's – I'm wondering how this is going to go. I'm thinking – I'm thinking overall this is going to be a good move for football. I think this you'll see its shape. I think how the depending on how it looks in the USFL, depending on how much of a call, how much of a judgment call it turns out to be for the refs, you might see the NFL take a look at it because I know spot fouls have been very, very controversial in the NFL. Pass interferences can swing games left and right, but I think overall it's good. I think mixing these two, it's I mean at the very least I like that it's experimental. I think that's an important thing for spring leagues to be in this day and age is to be experimental, to do something to set yourself apart, to be on the cutting edge of rules and entertainment and anything, just to be able to have that good of a product out there. I like the move. I'm excited to see how it turns out in the USFL. Up next, we got kickoffs. So the way they're doing kickoffs in the USFL, they're all going to be from the 25-yard line. And after the kick travels 20 yards, the first player to touch the ball must be the receiving team. So what that says to me is that you're not going to get any dumb players that uh, just don't catch it and let the ball go dead. Um, It'll just be a dead ball. There's no defense being able to recover. There's no kicking team being able to recover a kickoff because it's either the receiving team gets it or it's just blown dead. And I think I remember reading in the rules that the receiving team just gets the ball where the, where it, where it lies. If it's a dead ball, which is very, very weird to me. I'm not sure I like that. I, it, it doesn't force anything. It, it doesn't force anyone to like a fourth and 12 scenario. I, I wonder how it's going to kind of look in a game. As far as I read in the rules, it looked like it would just be a dead ball right there. Receiving team gets the ball where it lies. I didn't see any penalties. I didn't see anything like that. I didn't see any incentives for them to be returning the ball. Didn't see anything about fair catching. Um, I wonder if we'll get some more information. And I'm, I, you kind of saw it with the XFL. A lot of the rules took a little, I'd say, took about two to three weeks for the, every, the refs, the players, the coaches, and everyone to really catch on. I think you'll be seeing that with the USFL as well, just based on the fact that this league is starting in almost three weeks, starting so soon from now that you're going to see a lot of this stuff kind of being figured out on the fly. And that could work out. It could be very fun. It could be entertaining, but you're going to see it's going to, I'm assuming, I'm assuming you're going to see some like sloppy refing, some, some interesting sloppiness to the rules. And that's all part of the fun with these leagues. You get a little sloppy with it. It's always fun to get a little sloppy. You, you, you ever go home with somebody and you just like, you just want to get sloppy. You want to eat some like bad, you want to eat a burrito, you want to lay on the bed, you want to just like lay there as you're just two beanbag people. You're just sloppy human beings. And that's what this league is going to be at the start. I'm saying for the first two to three weeks, you're going to see some sloppy. It's going to be fun though. It's going to be very, 
very fun. That'll do it for the rules of the ex- of the USFL. What news do we have going on in the USFL before I get down to my breakdown here? So far, uh, we have the players have begun to arrive in Birmingham. I think that started about four or five days ago, which is insane to me. I can only assume that they've had players doing personal workouts and onboarding and whatnot this entire time since the draft because it starts the, – the first game is April 16th, and that's not very far away. That's like – that's – that is three days. That's 24 days from now, I think. My math could be very off, but 24 days to basically get into training camp, get all the rules done, get all your playbooks kind of up to speed, get all the players up to speed with your playbooks. That sounds insane to me. That sounds extremely quick. So that just adds on to the sloppy nature that I think you're going to see with this league. And I think it's going to be fun. I think we're, as fans, we are going to be growing with the league, which is something really cool. The The XFL had their draft in October, started in February, so they had months and months and months. Players were, like, in camp learning, like, at the end of October. So they had months and months of training. I think this is going to be kind of fun that we're, as fans, are just kind of learning the game with the players and the coaches. I think that's going to be a really, really cool element to the USFL. Speaking of which, I have my little breakdown of the Houston Gamblers before me. I have some key players I have highlighted and I have my my analysis right now, my analysis of where I think the Gamblers are going to be, what they're going to do, what they can do, and uh, my faith in the head coach of Kevin Sumlin. Spoiler, it's Kevin Sumlin, so it's not super high. I hope we get early Texas A&M Kevin Sumlin who was at least fun and had an interesting quarterback with some really cool plays and whatnot. I think he can do that here. I think he can do that here, which leads me to my first breakdown of quarterback Clayton Thorson, the quarterback for the Houston Gamblers. They picked him for a reason. If you watched our draft analysis with sports gambling podcast, you'll realize how shocked we were that he actually like he got picked at all because Generally, you don't think of Northwestern producing great quarterbacks. I would argue he is a good to great quarterback for what he did at Northwestern. Not only is he probably the greatest Northwestern quarterback of all time, he got them to a Big Ten championship, and he also won them like 11 games in a season his freshman year, which is absolutely fucking bananas. Not only did he do all that, but he had an ACL injury his junior year, and still, still the next year, he's... This guy started 53 consecutive college football games. He is a fucking tank of a human being. There's only one other player that has started that many games, and it's Colt McCoy. Not the company I'd want my quarterback to be in with because, you know, Colt McCoy is – he's Colt McCoy. But Thorson is the next level. He's the next step above Colt McCoy. I think this guy – he he excelled in a Northwestern offense that if you look at those Northwestern teams, the offense was generally within, I'd say they were in the bottom 30 of all FBS college football teams. If you look at their defensive and offensive ratings, they were insanely like split teams. They were a full defense team, but I think that has a lot to do with who they've had at play caller. I think up until last year, Northwestern had the same offensive coordinator from like 2002 until 2020, which is absolutely insane to me. 
And Clayton Thorson succeeded in an offense like that. Imagine what he can do in a high-powered, hopefully, Kevin Sumlin offense. My hope for Clayton Thorson is that he becomes unlocked, so to speak. If you listen to any of my analysis of the XFL, I would uh, I put Clayton Thorson in the same camp as I did Brandon Silvers, that I feel like he has so much potential. I think he has all the potential in the world to be – I think Clayton Thorson could be the best quarterback in this league. Unironically, I think that. It's fucking insane. I think this guy can be really, really good. I just want to see it. I just want to see it. I don't want to die on hopium. And I feel like I might OD on hopium with this offense. Up next, we're going to go over to defense. I have Chris Odom. Defensive end. The guy's fast as fuck. He ran a 4-8-40 at the combine as a D-end. Dude, is just, he's, he's a beast. First team all Sunbelt at Arkansas State. He's fucking huge. He's just – the guy's insane. He's giant. He's fast. What more do you want out of a defensive end? He gets a shitload of tackles, and he has defensive uh, special teams experience. He was a kick-blocking machine at Arizona at uh, Arkansas State. Just left and right, blocking kicks all over. And don't forget, defensive stud in the AAF, which we talked about it all the time. We talk about it in the gymnasium. We talk about it uh, with Sports Gambling Podcast guys. We love seeing spring football experience. We see these guys in the XFL, the AAF, the CFL, the ELF. I like seeing that they've been in this kind of environment. They know how to navigate this kind of game, this kind of practice. If anything, that makes me very high. That makes me hopeful for this gambler's defense because they have a guy who can just jump in and play. He's used to these fast turnaround sort of things. I like that. And I think he's going to be a defensive leader for this team. Up next, to help Clayton Thorson, we have wide receiver JoJo Ward. We've talked about it before, folks. JoJo is a – I've never met a slow man named JoJo. It's one of the fastest names on the fucking planet, not to mention JoJo Ward. While I was doing this analysis, while I was doing research on JoJo Ward, I was watching his highlights for Hawaii. Holy shit, him and Cole McDonald had just this amazing connection. Speaking of which, I wish I would have seen Cole McDonald in the USFL. That'd be entertaining as shit. But the guy was just a super fast wide receiver at Hawaii. He's always just getting behind defense. He's a short guy. He's only 175. He's short and light. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he didn't see him on some NFL teams, just because he's a little bit smaller. But I think that lets him just sneak around and succeed in a league like the USFL. The guy is fast. He's sneaky. He'll get behind your defense, and he'll score a shitload of touchdowns. I think he gives a great deep threat to Clayton Thorson. JoJo Ward, fucking love it. I, he, if you guys watched our uh, our fantasy football draft, I, I got him for sure on my team because I, I think he's going to be fucking great, especially if Clayton Thorson gets unlocked. Up next, offensive tackle Avery Genesee. Oh, boy. He's got Kevin Sumlin experience. He's got experience in a Kevin Sumlin offense. For an offensive lineman, that's what you want. This this position, offensive tackle, is so cerebral. It's so it's learning the blocking schemes and He's played for Sumlin before, which is just perfect. It's going to be a fast start, fast league. He's going to get in and just be able to help teach the other offensive linemen. I don't know whether or not they're going to slot him in offensive tackle or guard. He played tackle under Sumlin's offense at uh, Texas A&M, but he kind of flopped around and played guard for a lot of practice squads in the NFL. I'd like to see him at tackle. I think he's a valuable part of this team's offense, and if he can get the offensive line up and running quick, that's just even better for Clayton Thorson. And last, but certainly not least, we have the tight end, Brandon Barnes, XFL legend. 
Brandon Barnes, just so everyone knows. He played a tight end for the Los Angeles Wildcats. He's a big tight end. He's a tall tight end. I think he's just a perfect safety blanket for uh, Clayton Thorson. You've got JoJo Ward, your deep threat. you got your safety blanket, Brandon Barnes. I'm, will, I'm wanting to see how these other receivers kind of come together and create a total package. But as a safety net, this guy is great. He also brings a shitload of experience. He's almost 30 years old. He's about 28, 29, and I think this guy is just legit. I loved him on the Wildcats. He played in a – I'm going to call the Wildcats a high-powered offense with Josh Johnson back there. He played in a high-powered offense. He could do it here. He's great. And his favorite food, his mama's peach cobbler. What more can you say about that? Mama's peach cobbler, always a winner. That's it for the USFL, everybody. The rules, it's coming. The USFL is coming, and I can't fucking wait for it. April 16th, Easter weekend cannot get here soon enough. Moving on to all the other spring leagues our spring football roll call let's see what's going on first up we got major league football and my notes here for major league football basically just says what the fuck is even going on because what the fuck is going on with major league football i uh i couldn't begin to tell you oh hey jenna good evening good evening to you i know uh i know she's a maulers fan i think i'm gonna have to get to the maulers one of these weeks but don't know when but Major League Football, what the hell is going on? I remember hearing about Major League Football in like 2019, um, around when the XFL was coming into prominence, and then it just kind of dipped. I think they went under. They, they were like a scam or something, if I remember correctly. And then I remember hearing something about in 2020 and then back down, and then I I was doing – I heard about them coming again in uh, 2022, and I just go to the website to look up some news and information about them. All of a sudden, I'm just saying – Major League Football coming coming fall of 2022, which is mind-blowing because you go on the website, draft, nothing to be seen, news, uh, nothing to be seen, but they're saying they're going to have 32 teams, teams in L.A., Austin, Texas, Atlanta, Georgia, Tampa, Florida, all over, and just flat out as a spring league coming in with 32 teams is absolutely mind-blowing to me. It makes zero sense, and I have no idea how this isn't just like a giant money laundering scheme, but they got Jerry Glanville. I talked about it last week. Somehow they got Jerry Glanville as a coach. They don't have any other coaches announced, but I, for the players' sake, I hope it's legit. I hope it's real. I'm just very skeptical. Um, I'm waiting to hear talks from Major League Football Jim, from MLF Jim. We're, we're waiting to see what, what MLF Jim has to say. Yeah, Jenna's got that right there. She's got the little monocle, uh, monocle smiley face guy. Yeah, it's it's something to look into. I would just keep my eyes peeled. I would keep my eyes peeled on Major League Football. Speaking of a similarly uh, sketchy league, I'm not going to call them similar. They're not, they're not sketchy. It's fan-controlled football, who they are starting the same day as the USFL, which in my opinion is a really dumb move for fan control football's sake, just because I feel like most people, if they're football fans, are going to be wanting to watch USFL. Not only that, but you can bet on USFL. You can't gamble on fan control football just because it's a seven-on-seven seven arena league where the fans call all the plays. So there's, I don't think there's any chance that you're going to gambling with that. But we haven't gotten any player notices. We haven't gotten any like real date updates. I know they do a Twitch stream every week. I haven't watched any Twitch stream on the fan control football, but 
I I'm sure something is uh, something is a brewing them for them to start as soon as they're starting. They have new teams, so we know that the uh, yeah. Jenna right here again, FCF Board of Eight Football Club. That's basically what they are. They're the NFT football club. That's exactly what fan control football is. So here's here's the team breakdown. I'll break down the teams of the fan control football league for you guys. They got rid of the Wild Aces, who, if anyone follows me on Twitter, the Wild Aces were my team. I'm a little upset by that, but I didn't I mean, fan control football league. And they they have the regular ones. They have the, the Glacier Boys. They have the Zappers. They have all the, the normal stuff. And uh, now they have their NFT teams. So they're really diving headfirst in the NFT realm, which to me just seems sketchy as shit just because I hear a bunch of uh, of NFT scams out there, and I just hope this isn't the same thing. So you got the Should Have Been Stars, the Kingpins, literally just the Board 8 Football Club, the Knights of DGen, and the 8 Oki, who is Steve Aoki's team. So Steve Aoki just has an NFT and a football team. They got $40 million somewhere, and I – I don't know, man. I hope the 40 mil pushes them to get some better camera angles and some better camera quality. It's fun. Fan Control Football League is fun. It was a fun thing to watch. But damn, there's really going in on the NFTs and and whatever. I don't give a shit about NFTs. The garage doesn't give a shit about NFTs, guys. Just sorry. That's, That's Fan Control Football. I haven't heard shit else about this league. So who fucking knows what's going on there? European League of Football, ELF. Uh, we got some signings going on. There's NFL, ex-NFL players. There's European players signing on. Um, we're just kind of waiting for the season to begin here in uh, in the summer. I will do, once the USFL is over with, I will do a full breakdown of the ELF and all the teams and everything. I'm going to just kind of put them on the back burner for now. Sorry, but I live in America, so the United States Football League takes precedence over the European League of Football. But ELF is something to look forward to. It was a fun product. I remember I watched a couple games last year. It's fun. I'm going to try and really keep up with them. CFL, Canadian Football League. I've been wondering for a minute how the USFL and next year the XFL are going to affect the CFL just based on a lot of American players. When the XFL originally started in 2020, they elected to take less money and play for the XFL rather than having to go up to Canada and play in the CFL. I wonder if that's going to become of a become a more common thread, especially when the USFL will be in year two, and I assume we'll have better contracts and be able to pay a little bit more. As of now, the CFL is still the highest pay. If you're like a top, top player who is like borderline NFL or should be on an NFL team but just isn't for some reason, the CFL is still probably the place to be. You can still make hundreds of thousands of dollars doing that which you can't do in the USFL and XFL as of now. But I, it's a worry. It's a worry that these teams should have and this league should have. And I wonder how much the uh, the Canadian roster minimum is going to affect the CFL. I know it's an important thing for a lot of the, the diehard fans, but you want the best players. And you got to be offering the best players. I'm interested to see how this kind of goes. Still waiting on the CFL draft, waiting on for them uh, them to start their preseason here in May. We're going to be burning that oil a lot come uh, end of USFL season. I know Jenna's a Red Blacks fan, but Rough Riders all the way. <coughs> rough Riders. Stop, pop, open up shop. You know, how fun goes, folks. Up next, we got the X-League. 
And uh, there's not a ton of X League news. We know we have, they have the tournament coming up generally in May, but there was a cool little info, cool little story I was reading in the, the Japan Times. This is from a few weeks ago. I just caught up with it recently, but there's a the, a recent X League combine featured a 20 year old amateur Yokozuna. Uh, excuse me if I'm mispronouncing this name because I'm terrible with fucking names. Uh, Hidatora Hanada. He's a high school. He's 20 years old. He's a sumo badass, and he was he zero football experience. He's going to this combine with players who have played at college levels and uh, Japanese pros, and she's just owning players left and right. He's just bodying people. He ran a actually. I I'm having my notes. He ran a five two forty. I watched film. He ran an unofficial four nine forty as a fucking sumo wrestler with zero football experience he's kind of been weighing his options in an interview he talked about wanting to be uh the world's first professional yokozuna and nfl player and his his mentality is i could be in i can try for the nfl first because a career in the nfl is usually shorter lived than a career as a sumo wrestler because just recently there was a sumo wrestler who just won and became a yokozuna at like 29 and he didn't start until he was like 27 so if he can Somehow go from 20 to just getting in a nice college football career to an X league career to an NFL career. I'm rooting for this guy all the way. I think the X league could use a player of his caliber and his personality. He brings a lot of personality to this league as a Japanese born player. And I think that is a great thing for the X league. That is that. So can he handle the extra clothes? That is a good question. I wonder sometimes I play football in the nude and it kind of works. It makes you slippery. Um, as long as you powder yourself, you should be all right. I just think he brings a good star power here, and I want to see him so bad in the X League. I want it so bad. Up next, we got XFL news, and by that I mean we have no XFL news. There's still nothing. I kind of hate how they just go completely radio silent, and then we'll announce something and push it for like a few days, and then just go radio silent again. I'd, I'd like a nice little feed drip of news, please. Give me something. Give me something, guys. Give me something. And last, but certainly not least, we have Arena League news, IFL news. The only spring league that's actually going on right now that actually only that has we're on week three coming up in the, in the IFL. It's fucking wild. The standings as they are right now, we have the Eastern side, number one, Sioux Falls Storm, number two, Massachusetts Pirates, number three, Bismarck Bucks, four, Quad City Steamwheelers. Five Frisco Fighters, six Green Bay Blizzard, and seven Iowa Barnstormers. By the way, uh, by the way, IFL, pretty good names. I'm gonna give them, I'm gonna give them solid names there. I'm gonna, give, I'm gonna give them not quite Japan level, but these are solid. And then the Western, we have the Arizona Rattlers, the Bay Area Panthers, the Vegas Nighthawks, the Tucson Sugar Skulls, the Duke City Gladiators, the Northern Arizona Wranglers. Arizona just gets two teams for some reason, and the San Diego Strike Force. Upcoming games in the IFL. Here we fucking go. I'm picking these games. I got them coming. On the 26th, we have the Bay Area Panthers at the Northern Arizona Wranglers. I'm going to take the Panthers in that one. Also on the 26th, we have the Frisco Fighters at the Duke City Gladiators. Give me Duke City there. On the 27th, give me the two. Yeah, give me the Vegas Nighthawks. I like how they spelled Nighthawks like like a royal knight, um, not like just Batman knight. It's Whatever, that's kind of dumb, but also fun. I think they also, I think they play in the same arena that the 
the Knights play in, so maybe that's what they're going for. I think the Knights also might own this team. I think I think that's you see that a lot. You see like I think the Coyotes also like own one of the own the Rattlers. So you see hockey teams own these arena teams, which is interesting. But give me uh give me the Vegas Nighthawks over the Tucson Sugar Skulls. Then we have the Green Bay Blizzard over the Biz, uh, at the Bismarck Bucks. I'm taking the Bucks in that one. Iowa Barnstormers at Sioux Falls Storm on the 28th. Give me the Storm. The Arizona Rattlers at the San Diego Strike Force. As cool as a name as Strike Force is, I'm going to take the Rattlers in that one. Uh, that's I just I think I think the Rattlers are going to get it done. It, it my overall my late early prediction for the whole season. By the way, I'm just always going to roll with Sioux Fall. Uh, the Barnstormers are just the team to be here. And uh, that'll be it for IFL. And that'll be it for spring football. And that'll be it for spring fever. God damn, guys. USFL's coming. IFL's already here. Fan control football's coming. I just want XFL news. I just, I, that's the only league that we're, we're missing any news on at all. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for watching. Y'all know where to find me. I will have spring fever all the time you can find it on my youtube you can find it over on better vegas you can find it uh on twitter you can find me on you can find it on spotify you can find it on apple Podcasts. you can find it on google Podcasts. you can find us all over thank you all for watching that'll do it peace out